I heard the. Did you hear it? Mm-hmm. Good. Not supposed to hear it. <laughs> Acts chapter one. Uh, the the title of the message today is Divine Promises, uh, and I think it's a very appropriate title. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and that's what this is about today. But uh, it speaks in terms of the faithfulness of God. As a matter of fact, in our Bible study, as we're going through, there's an emphasis that's being made that the central figure throughout the entire book that we call the Bible is not King David, it's not Abraham, it's not Moses, Ooh, not Moses, really? It's God. God is the central figure. And if you consider that as you read through, you're going to find out one thing, just how consistent God is and has been because we have illustration after illustration after illustration of God's loving kindness to his people, his forgiving nature. All of the attributes that we talk about are excuse me, are demonstrated for us over and over again, almost to the point of redundancy, if I can put it that way, because we need that. Just how many times do you have to be told no? Uh, How many times, you know, and so on. Uh, And there we are. And so this morning we're going to be looking at some promises that God has made And I want you, as we go through some of those and talk about them, look at some scripture references. I want you to think in terms of what has, how has that manifested in my life? I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and theoretically, I'll put that carefully, uh, I have, I now have the indwelling Holy Spirit. And how are these promises been manifested in my walk, in my life? Uh, and how can they be better? manifested uh, as I go forward from here. That's kind of the uh, the situation that we're in. Acts chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse 1, and we're going to read the first eight verses. I do it in King James, so some of you will have to stumble along in whatever other... Ver- There's a lot of versions out there now. The former treatise I have made, O Othopolis, and this is Luke writing. Luke wrote the book of, a- of Acts. Of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Verse three, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days, speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, those 40 days between uh, resurrection and ascension. And being assembled together with them, commanded them uh, that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, uh, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye should be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days hence. That's verse 5. And that's Peter, or pardon me, that's uh, Luke quoting the Lord Jesus Christ, because in my red letter edition, those are the words of Christ. Verse 5 again, because of that. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. Jesus speaking to the assembled crowd, obviously uh, at his baptism. Uh, When they therefore, back to Luke now, 
When they were therefore come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, here we go again, red letter, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father have put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Check that out as a promise. There's that divine promise. What is that promise again? Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. You shall receive power and the Holy Spirit will be, will come upon you. And that is an indication in some of the other, uh, uh, renderings that, that indwelling idea of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to be talking about today is what that, what's the Holy Spirit doing in me today? Spirit's work is often linked with the God the Father and God the Son, and rightly so, because the Holy Spirit is a manifestation of that very divine essence. The Spirit does have very special ministries to which we attribute Him, and that's very true, and we're going to look at some of those. Every single one of them are promised of God. God has promised us. Jesus, first of all, promised to give the Holy Spirit to us. And because he gave him to us, uh, he's there for a purpose. And Jesus very eloquently has told us, shared with us, what those purposes are. And we're going to look at some of those right now. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to our minds and hearts as these humble words from the front speak to you today. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for your promises, for what you are to us, for what you have been willing to do uh, in order that we might be reconciled to you. And we give thanks and praise now as we look forward uh, to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. In the book of John, John's gospel tells us a number of facts about the Holy Spirit, uh, not mentioned in the other gospels, but that's beside the point. We'll talk about the harmony of the gospels another time. Point one, the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. Think about that. The Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus. As you read through about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit very seldom if ever, flexes his muscles and say, hey, I'm the Holy Spirit, look at me, bow down and worship me. He always speaks in terms of the Father and of the Son. It's Jesus whom we worship. John chapter 15, verse 26. When the counselor comes, who will I send to you, Jesus speaking, from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Context to the verse. And this is so important. The context of the verse, that's Jesus speaking to who? To the disciples, to the apostles. Where? In the upper room. When? Last Supper. Because right after he says these words, that night, he's going to be arrested. 
He's going to be tried and so on and so on. And by this time tomorrow, he's going to be dead. That's Passion Week. If we did Easter, how quickly can we do Easter in a sentence or two? But that's what we receive in verse uh, 26 of chapter 15. It's called what we call the upper room discourse, the things that Jesus shared. And if you have a red letter edition, and most of us do nowadays, uh, you can, you read four or five chapters in the book of John, chapter 14, 15, 16. All of those, those are all red letter and they're all upper room discourse and upper room discourse is what I just described. So the context is really very important. And why is it important? Because Jesus knows what's going to happen in the garden. Jesus knows what's going to happen in Herod's court. Jesus knows what's going to happen at Pilate's uh, throne. Jesus knows what's going to happen at Calvary. Jesus knows. And so he's preparing them. He's preparing us for that event. And we read it again. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. There's a name for the Spirit. The Spirit of truth. Who goes out from the Father, he, Holy Spirit, will testify about me, Jesus Christ. That's what the scripture says. The Holy Spirit brings glory to Jesus. John chapter 16 verse 14. And that here again is the upper room discourse. All part of that. He, the Spirit, will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. Now, he's speaking, of course, to the apostles, but by extension, he is speaking to you. And I'm pointing to about, oh, so many of you, 50, I can't count that high, uh, 15 of you. And I'm trying to balance it out and look at everybody. And it's just a wonderful thing that you're here today to hear what? The word of God. And the word of God is for you. These promises that we're speaking of are for you, for us, for each individual in this room every single person that has accepted the lord jesus christ is the recipient of these promises he the spirit will bring glory to me me jesus by taking from what is mine and making it known to you the people the unwashed mass all you sinners out there Ooh, the holy spirit guides you into truth Because he is the spirit of truth. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, John chapter 16, verse 13, upper room discourse still, he will guide you into all truth. Think about that. These three verses that I'm sharing with you now, all from that same body of information. Here, let me, let me talk to you guys for a few minutes and I'm preparing you. I'm preparing this for you because I'm going to be gone tomorrow. Uh, and he's sharing these very significant thoughts. And he's saying this over and over again. But when he, talking about the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Truth. John fourteen six, Franklin Graham's favorite verse. Some people think it's the only verse he knows. That's okay. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. <coughs> When did he say that? Guess where? In the upper room. In the upper room discourse. Just before he went to meet with Herod 
and to meet with Pilate and to meet with the Roman guards. He, the spirit of truth, comes. He'll guide you into that truth. Excellent guest that he is. The spirit finds you empty and fills you. He finds you hungry and thirsty and satisfies you abundantly. Uh, Augustine of Hippo, which is a, one of the early church fathers about the second century A.D. Think about that. Finds you empty and fills you. He finds you hungry and thirsty and satisfies you abundantly. Now, what's the hunger and thirst? Hunger and thirst is for God. Man shall not live by bread alone, the scripture tells us. Promises. The Holy Spirit guides you into truth. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. When that quote, we call it a conscience, we call it any number of things, but we do something that we know we shouldn't have done, shame on us. I we had in Bible study today, we talked about David and his sin. And when Nathan, when Nathan spoke to David and talked about some, some rich guy, his, Nathan's parable, prophet, uh, some rich guy stole a little lamb, the only lamb that this poor guy had, and took it for himself and so basically left the poor man to starve. David immediately knew that he was talking about him. And it had nothing to do with lamb. It had a lot to do with Bathsheba, Uriah. You know, that's the guy that he plotted to kill, to have killed, and did. And there it is. That's what we're talking about. That's that conviction of sin. He's convicted us of sin. John chapter, there it is again. John chapter 16. Can we get out of there? The counselor will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin. And righteousness and judgment in regard to sin, because men do not believe in me in regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Who is the prince of this world standing condemned? Think about it. Upper Upper room discourse and so on. The Holy Spirit brings life. The Holy Spirit gives life, John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus said, the Spirit gives life. And what are we talking about? We're talking about spiritual life, of course. We're talking about the truth. We're talking about truth being breathed into you. Confessing you, reminding you of who Jesus is, what Jesus should mean to you, what Jesus does mean to you, what Jesus came for. Jesus' purpose, his entire purpose was Calvary. We go back and we look at the miracles and we say, well, I wouldn't mind if Jesus came and, you know, touched my eyes and took care of my little situation with my eyes or touched my hip so that I don't hurt anymore, you know, and so on. Touch this and get rid of this disease and that disease, which Jesus did over and over again uh, while he was here on earth. All of that was just to lead us to the biggie. And the biggie is what? Is that he conquered death. Death has been conquered. We can spend an eternity with him. We're going to be resurrected and we're going to live with God forever. How do we know that? Because that's the way Jesus went. And he said, come on, follow me. My paraphrase. 
But think about it. Think it. That's what the purpose was. If he hadn't done any of those miracles, no water to wine, no blind man healed, no lame man standing up, uh, no little girl uh, brought back to life, Lazarus stayed in the tomb. All, none of those. None of those. But he went to Calvary and did what he did at Calvary. He fulfilled the purpose for which God, John chapter 3, verse 16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave. That word gave, completely gave his only son. The Holy Spirit lives in a believer's life, John 14 uh, 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. Now, I did the syllables for you so that you were paying attention. Forever. Forever is one of those throw-out words. We say forever all of the time, and we don't mean forever. We mean, until, well, until. Forever until. And forever. No, no. Forever. The Holy Spirit is with you, that counselor, to be with you forever. He's there. He's there. And in that person, when we say that Jesus is in us, is with us, and we have audience with God the Father, it's through the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that brings us to our knees, either physically or metaphorically or however you can get on your knees nowadays. That's how it is. Forever. The Holy Spirit teaches believers. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father... Here we go again. Over and over again, Jesus says, gives the man, gives the Spirit the name. He says, but the Counselor... Oh, by the way, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Counselor whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. John fourteen twenty six. Holy Spirit, divine promises, brings life, teaches believers, lives in believers forever, convicts us of sin, etc., etc., and everything that we read, with the exception of John 6, came from the Upper Room Discourse. That's how important it is. That's how important it is. I'm leaving, and I'm leaving someone that's going to care for you forever. I made three syllables out of a two-syllable word. That's pretty good, huh? Okay, teachers wouldn't think so. Okay, now... But it carries on because we see the Holy Spirit in Paul's writing as well. Uh, and that writing uh, does a number of things. Uh, thought about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches prayer. We talked about that last week or the last, the last time I t- did a Holy Spirit message. I'll have to admit I'm trying to remember uh, which message I, I did last week. I've got six messages going on right now in my mind because we're in the holiday season and sometimes... I take one point, it gets crazy. The Holy Spirit brings God's love. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says this, and this is Paul writing, God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. 
Now that's Paul writing, but do you hear that in what Jesus said from John in the Upper Room Discourse? I do. He poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Romans 5. The Holy Spirit reveals God's wisdom, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So Paul, leaning very heavily upon what? The very words of God that I shared with you. Most of it, Upper Room Discourse, once again. And how often am I going to say that? I say it that often because it's that important. When you get into that upper room, when you get into those middle chapters of the book of John, important stuff. It's all red letter. It's all Jesus speaking. All red letter. When you do your Bible reading, you need to slow down when you get there and take your time and digest every word. I guess I could say that about the entire book, but uh, you got the idea. Holy Spirit searches the deep things of God. Sometimes we need that, don't we? The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We've not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Think about that. We have not received the spirit of the world. What's the spirit of the world? The world system. Everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. That was the end of uh, the book of Judges. Consenting adults. uh, Got the idea? Thinking along those lines. The world system. Spirit of the world. In our Bible study uh, this morning, and I'm drawing upon that a little bit, we have one of the kings of the uh, uh, of that of the kingdom period, uh, Ahab. And Ahab did what? He he took Baal and created a temple for Baal, and he wanted to elevate Baal to be the god of Israel, and then. Hopefully, I guess, if he had grandeur enough, uh, the God of the world. Baal, the God of the world, heathen God, false God. Go back to the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Spirit of the world. But the spirit who is from God that we understand what God has freely given us. And that's what we're talking about promises. Promises are giving. I promise I'm going to do this for you. That's a giving nature, even though it might not be a tangible thing. I promise I'm going to protect you. When Shirley and I exchanged vows, and and most of you in the room, I think, did the same thing. I promise to love, honor, and obey. Uh, Bite my tongue on that one. Uh, Anyway, she didn't do it either. But there you are. (laughs) But there we are. That promises. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about promises. Promises that we're going to keep forever. Forever. How long is forever? Uh, well, until, until we shall love no longer. We went to a wedding ceremony for one of my relatives that they said that was in their vows. And as long as love shall last, uh, 
never mind. We won't want to go any further there than that. But world system, as opposed to what we understand, that God has freely given us, and he's freely given to us, and we all have access to it. Every single one of us has access to it. Be you man or woman, be you IQ 150 or 200 or only 75, doesn't make any difference. God has given all of those things to you. And the Holy Spirit helps us to remember that. Helps us in our prayers. In the same way, Scripture says, Romans chapter 8, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't even know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. How many times have we gone to God in prayer and basically we're praying for a thing, you know? I want, my Lincoln is getting old. I'm praying for a new Lincoln. Well, what are you really praying for? You're praying for reliable con- uh, transportation to get you from from the, your house in Cathedral City to church in India. Uh, speaking the real stuff, right? It's real stuff. And that's what he provides. He provides the transportation means. Might not even be what I want it to be, that I can drive it. It might be. Last night we went to that concert and we didn't want to drive. Philip drove. Beautiful number. My son, my son Philip drove both ways. We didn't have to drive in the dark. That's getting to be more and more important as we uh, approach our forever years. Helps us in our weakness. We didn't even know what we ought to pray for, but when we sit down and we start to pray and our mind kind of strays a little bit, strays from what we had in mind, I'm thinking about that brand new Lincoln to what I really need, to what I really need. And God is willing to provide or will provide for me in one way or another. The Holy Spirit prays for us Romans chapter 8 verse 27 says, And he who searches our hearts, who's the he but the Holy Spirit, knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Who knows the plan better than the Holy Spirit? Well, there's God the Father and God the Son, but that's it. No one knows the plan better than he does in accordance with God's will. He assures us of our salvation. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the God that we are the children of God, that we are God's children. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says this. Think about that. How many times have you doubted your salvation? Well, I I went to that church and I got up and I oh, I felt all tingly inside and I walked down and the pastors did a quick prayer for me because it was almost time for lunch and 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 it was all over and 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 that very well might have been your quote salvation experience and because it was so no big deal we kind of wonder is is it real there's got to be something more grandiose than that the heavens got to open up there's got to be lip, uh, tongues of fire there's got to be there should be trumpets. There should be a full concert orchestra. The, house, the Hosanna chorus. 
have Hendel come and do the chorus for us. Bring a choir in. And what a grand up. But you know what? Every single time one of you, one of us, accepts the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, they have that grand thing happening in heaven. All of the angels, Scripture tells us, rejoice at the fact that another has seen the light, the light. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, in Luke, Luke tells us uh, that there are a number of other things that we haven't even got to yet. And we'll just barely get to them. That's good. Shirley's proud. She said, oh, he's getting, he's winding down. And it's, oh, good. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, some of you missed the thumb, but I, I got, and I was paying attention. See, I'm learning. And put this down a little bit. Okay, I'm good. Holy Spirit gives power for witnessing. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And of course, that's the phrase that most of us pertain to because I've never been to Jerusalem. I've never been to Judea and I'm not going to Samaria. It's just the way it is. But I am at the ends of the earth. Here I am. Here we are, wherever we might be. And if you go back and you look at the gospel, uh, you look at uh, Matthew at the at the end of the book, and it talks, you go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Wow, what a deal. I know that God loves me so much and he has provided me the divine promises that I am speaking of today that I owe it to my fellow man to share that information. I have something that you need. I have something that you need and I want to provide it to you and I want to provide it to you for free. Ooh, you know, there's got to be a hook. You know, that's the world system again. And the world is that way. You know, there's, there's got to be a hook. Make sure you read the, the, the two-point pica print at the bottom of the contract before you sign that sucker. Otherwise, you're in trouble. Power for witnessing. Holy Spirit encourages Christian fellowship. Church. Church is where the fellowship happens. Church, it's been said that on the day that you don't feel like going to church, here's what you should do. Get up, get dressed, and get to church. That sounds silly. But that's the truth. And think about Some of you have done that. Oh, this is going on in my life. You know, my cat died and da-da-da-da. And all, all of this stuff is going on. I just, I just, no, I can't go. I had a pastor years ago. He said, if you are too sick to go to church, you really shouldn't go to work tomorrow. Think about that. If you're so sick you can't go to church, that means you're too sick to go to work tomorrow. And that doesn't mean we're going to pay you anyway. 
How many of us have taken Sunday off so that we could go to work on Monday? How important is church? How important is is the opportunity for us to fellowship, to be with one another? How many of us have been, have gone to church and we've got this situation going on in our lives and there's somebody that's close enough to us in that congregation that we can share a little bit with and look at the back of your bulletin and look at the prayer requests that are there from who? From you people. Those are congregational prayers. Congregational prayers. Those are things that are weighing on my heart and I want to share those with you that you can share, that you can help me, that you can uplift me through that situation, be it sickness or, you know, whatever it is. How many of you have never read the back of the bulletin? Shame on you. But that gives us the opportunity when we come together in like mind. Shirley Ship mentioned about Steve this morning. Steve's been on the back of our bulletin for months. He's been having this problem with his back uh, for a long time. A very long time. Months. I almost want to say a year. And he's just now maybe getting fixed. And he had to go all the way. Couldn't get it fixed in Los Angeles at any of the big name hospitals here. Nobody had the brains to fix him. And I'm being facetious. And he had to go to... North Carolina. I wanted to say Tennessee. But he he had to go to North Carolina. The guy that knows what he's doing in this particular instance is in North Carolina. And that's where he is right now. And they were hoping that that the fix is in. <laughs> Got the idea. Fellowship. We've been praying for him at that time. You've been praying with us for him because we've asked you to do that. And that's what we're talking about. That's that fellowship. Holy Spirit, Spirit sets people apart for specific Christian service. I just invited all of you to step up here and sing with what's left out there. I would think it would be lovely if all of you would come up here and lead me in singing as I stood back there, getting myself ready to do what I'm doing right now. That'd be cool. We don't have enough microphones, but we wouldn't need them. With 14 voices like we have today, I did count you, by the way, uh, we wouldn't need microphones. We'd be fine. Christian service. Holy Spirit guides Christian preachers. And I do pray, and I do pray that I am guided. I work very hard at putting together a message. And in three minutes, I'll be done. I work very hard at putting together a message. And I can't tell you how many times the message, the way I have it here, isn't the way it went out here. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit is speaking to me and guiding me and leading me towards something. And somebody in the congregation on days like that will come to me and said, you are speaking directly to me today and thank you very much. And you know what I say to that? Praise God because it's of the Holy Spirit. I certainly didn't think of it all by myself. The Holy Spirit guides Christian preachers. Preachers, Acts 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Galatia, having been kept by the Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, speaking where God called him to speak. 
Holy Spirit selects people for Christian leadership. The same thing involved. As we discover what our spiritual gifts are, and we'll be talking about those uh, at another time, we need to we need to uh, hand we had need to do those. Uh, last night, we were at a congregation over a thousand people. Would you say? I don't want to exaggerate. A thousand and two people. Thousand and ten. Lots of people. A lots of people. Okay, we can do that. Lots of people. Almost all of them looking towards retirement or. The ultimate retirement. And this is what the pastor said. That none of you are useless. Oh, I'm all done. It's nothing I can do now. We have a lady, uh, one of our close friends. She has, she has the gift. <clears throat> I don't know how to say it. Barbara. Grief ministry. Grief ministry. She has the gift of grief ministry. And, she, and it's happened to her family. She's got a, she's got a dysfunctional family you wouldn't believe. Sons and, sons-in-law and, and all, all, if it can go wrong, it's gone wrong in her family. And she's lost family members, uh, to early death due to, due to drugs and uh, sing the song. But there we are. And she has a heart to be with you when you're going down that kind of a road. And physically speaking, she's about done. She's had so many operations, they've got zippers almost everywhere on her body. And I'm, I know I'm kind of, that's light, but that's true. She, I, how many, I know of at least 10 times that she's been under the knife in the last Five or six years. He's got one more coming up. And we have one coming up. Pray for Barbara. There you go. Pray for Barbara. She now wears a neck brace. Her, anyway. She's still actively seeking. People are actively seeking her in their hour of need. Grief ministry. We should be, hey, she needs, she needs me to be with her and she calls me. She, I, I am her pastor, she says. I've never been her pastor, but I am her pastor. And she calls me. We do, we do communion at her house and, and several things like that. But when, when she needs someone, she calls me. What a blessing that is. What a humbling experience that is for me. Because I know what she does. And I know how effective she is in the lives that she's touched. You touched a life lately? Now I'm getting nasty, aren't I? Have you touched a life lately? Holy Spirit selects people for leadership. Holy Spirit has chosen you to do something in His kingdom. Absolutely Positively. He called you to a purpose. Holy Spirit and a believer. And we can end with this. He's promised. The Spirit was sent to us by the Father. 
The Spirit is active in the Christian life. And we're basically taking these all from Galatians. And I'm not going to just read. That's a short book. You can read it anyway. It's mostly in chapter 3 and 4. The Holy Spirit is accepted by faith. The Holy Spirit begins the Christian life. The Holy Spirit lives in a Christian. Lives in a Christian. Jump on that. Lives in a Christian. Doesn't visit. No visitation. Lives in the Christian. The Holy Spirit leads Christians. Holy Spirit helps Christians to be fruitful. Holy Spirit helps us not to gratify the desires of our sinful nature. How does he do that? By reminding us, whoops, Bathsheba is not for you. Breathe on me, breath of God, till I am wholly thine, until this earthly part of me flows with thy fire divine. Let me walk the walk. Let me walk the path that Jesus, that God has has shown to me. He's a light unto my path. Let me walk that path. Let me walk that path all the way to eternity. All the way to the pearly gates. And all these physical metaphors for spiritual reality. All the way to the very physical presence of God the Father himself. And the Holy Spirit has promised that he will be with us to help us to do the very things that I'm talking about. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, ah, the love that you show, the divine promises that we've talked about are there. You've told us about them. You've led us to them. Let us take them to heart. Let us take them upon ourselves in order that we might uh, fulfill the promises that you've made to a lost and dying world. You came for the world and you've given us the awesome responsibility to share the message, to be your ambassadors. Guide us now. We ask in Jesus' precious and holy name, in the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. When you put in a prayer request, if you don't want to be, um, elaborate what it is, you can just put, I need prayer. God knows what you need prayer for, so when your name is